Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I am Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. I like to start off by mentioning my name three times, bang it into your head so you can't forget it and move on from there. The Titans are getting ready for a trip to what could be their hardest regular season game of the year to play the Eagles best team in football right now at 10 and one um, heading up uh, every team in the league uh, with a very well-rounded game that just ran for a billion yards um, against the Packers drawing the, uh, the a team on the Fox broadcast Titans won't be able to complain. They don't get a lot of attention. They might just be getting it at the wrong time based on um, a matchup against a really good opponent coming off uh, a loss to a good opponent, Cincinnati. And they are in the tough part of the schedule right now, having fallen to seven and four with that loss against the Bengals, a team that's got their number. It will take a lot for them to bounce back against a very good football team. We're back in rhythm now with the podcast after a Thursday night game and Thanksgiving. So thanks for circling back. Um, let's start with a little talk about the pass rush dip. Um, <clears throat> obviously some things going on right now. Shane Bowen said, uh, you know, a lot of it's about the team's ability to execute, but that Aaron Rodgers was, uh, you know, while he's older and not as evasive as he used to be, there was still an evasiveness to him. Joe Burrow certainly evaded uh, some trouble. And Jalen Hurts is definitely going to be able to evade stuff. So the Titans are not looking at guys. Um, you know, this is the third one in a row who's not been a guy standing at seven and a half or eight yards uh, in a central spot every single time for the Titans to go after. Um, they're also dealing with some injuries. Simmons got hurt in that Kansas City game. So, um, it's been a while for him since he's been at full strength. Autry hurt his knee in the Green Bay game, so he missed the Cincinnati game. I don't think there's any way that he's going to emerge to play this week. He's not been practicing, uh, and he's very much a glue guy on that defensive line. Simmons in the Cincinnati game you know, didn't draw the double teams that we expected, and Blake Bettingfield wrote about this at my site, but he, he wasn't his explosive self. He wasn't chasing plays downfield the way he typically does. And uh, if you look at the numbers against Denver, where Russell Wilson, <clears throat> a complicated guy having a complicated season, held on to the ball for a long, long time, a lot of times, and is not the evasive guy he once was. The Titans sacked him six times hit him 18 times, but then against green Bay, they only got to Aaron Rodgers once late, only hit him three times against burrow only sacked him once only hit him four times. That is not the pass rush that we've come to expect that the Titans have come to expect. Um, <clears throat> down Autry is, is a problem um, for sure. And um, going against a guy like Hertz, you know, it sounds funny to say, or it sounds odd to say, we should be used to it by now. They're not necessarily sure they'd love to sack him, but more importantly, they're looking to corral him um, and keep him from hurting them 
when they over pursue him for sacks by uh, running down the field for first downs and for big gains. And so uh, pass rush may be defined in different ways this week in Philadelphia than it's been defined um, in other games. He has been sacked 28 times this year in 11, 11 games. That's uh, two and a half times a game, but he runs a ton. And um, so they're going to have to find a way to manage that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we move along. Titans run game is another factor. So the pass rush is something that they've relied on throughout the season. And the run game is something that they've relied on throughout the season. And, you know, for a long time, and it's not been going very well. It did not have, have a very good November. Um, and, and the last several opponents have, have been running this six man front. So it's still a loaded box, but they've kind of flattened it out, um, creating more gaps, accounting for every gap and really not letting Derek Henry get through the initial line to create any linebacker opportunities or matchups because these are linemen or linebackers lined up on the line who are preventing him from getting through. It's been very effective. If you have not read it, Mike Herndon, I think it's the best thing he's written since he's been writing for paulkuherski.com on Wednesday, wrote about this with several uh, freeze frame pictures illustrating what teams are doing how the Titans look against it with a video or two of, of how it's worked. Um, and the Titans have passed better, excuse my itchy throat, um, against it, but it, it hasn't, you know, always worked. Uh, it worked in Green Bay, didn't work against Cincinnati, maybe with personnel differences. I urge you to read this piece. Here's what Vrabel said about it. The 6-1 is a structure that we've seen. We have to be able to block it. They're not adding any more people to it. It's just the spacing and the configuration. Hopefully we can find a way to progress through. And if we're able to mix in the passing game and work some of those things, we have to be ready for the same thing from Philly. They have shown that and probably it's not going to change. So... <clears throat> Titans have to be counter moving on this. Um, it's their turn to show that they can find a way to run against it. Ben Jones is still on the injury report with a concussion, but he was a full participant on Wednesday and Thursday on the injury report. I'm recording this Thursday night. I saw him today passing through the locker room He's also wearing a, a full length sleeve on his left leg. So, uh, you know, he tends to be banged up and grind it through a season. So I don't know if there's anything going on there. It's nothing that would or is preventing him from practicing. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I, I was just contemplating this week, and I did ask Todd Downing about it, you know, the Titans traditionally in the Derrick Henry era have not been shy about lining up in some sets that it's clear they're going to run out of. 
um, and they don't have any problem with people knowing they're going to run out of them. They might throw out of it once in a blue moon. They were in that set on the on the big play that Ryan Tannehill threw to Traylon Burks at the end of the Green Bay game. It was a one receiver set. Traylon Burks was out there as the one receiver instead of Cody Hollister, or sometimes it's Nick Westbrook Aquina. They threw a big play to Burks before they knelt out the clock there. That was just before the two-minute warning up at Lambeau Field. Maybe they need to roll out a few less predictable sets that announces that they're running it. Less one-wide stuff, less too tight stuff with their worst catching people. Downing says, you know, they stay on top of their tendencies. Here's here's Todd Downing talking about some of that. Yeah, I think we've I think we've uh, expanded some of those personnel packages a little bit as well. You saw us break the formation uh, last week a couple times out of bigger groupings, uh, and ultimately we need to go execute regardless regardless of what front they put out there. Uh, you know, so we'll always keep an eye on those things. We'll always make sure that we're staying on top of our tendencies and self scout and all those uh, you know different. Uh, kind of studies but uh you know bottom line is we didn't execute well enough regardless of what personnel grouping was out there i don't know if they are or they aren't you know this is a pretty boilerplate answer from downing but this offensive line even at full strength and on thursday nate davis didn't practice with a knee injury so you know jones i would expect would be back now there could be some doubt about Nate Davis. So Raidens could still be in the lineup. Who knows? Hopefully they're back to full strength, but this line at full strength isn't blowing people off the ball the way that the best Titans lines have blown people off the ball. And Henry's not running, you know, so well that you can say, well, you know, here he comes. Good luck stopping him. So I just wonder if, if, you know, maybe be in some sets sometimes to add a little bit more mystery as to whether it's going to be a run or a pass uh, instead of running some people onto the field at times that make it obvious that you're going to run where people are having a better time stopping you running than they typically do. Just, just a thought from the peanut gallery. Most rushing yards per regular season in December and January since 1950, a minimum of 20 games. Clinton Portis averaged 104.9. Barry Sanders averaged 102.8. And Derrick Henry averaged 102. Titans can't over-rely on this because his November was not good. Um, for these reasons that we're talking about. And teams are defending the run very well against the Titans right now. Philadelphia is, um, what are they? They're 18th in rushing defense. They defend the pass much better than they defend the run. But this is typical if you defend one side particularly well, then statistically it doesn't balance out on the other side. But... Um, I don't think the Titans can by any means go into their first December game and think, well, Derrick Henry runs really well in December and January, and so we're going to be okay. They have to make it happen. 
He has historically been very good, as those numbers illustrate. Only Clinton, Portis, and Barry Sanders have been better on average in their December and January games. So they know what they're capable of doing in these months, in the last six weeks of the season. But um, I wonder if the dog could ring the bell anymore. I don't know if you could hear it, but I could hear it. And I'm annoyed. Um, they need to get back on a track where Henry is is doing what he's done in winters past. And part of it's going to be figuring out these six-man fronts. For more on Henry, I wrote about how an amazingly high percentage of colleges wanted him as a defensive end, not a running back, and what type of defensive end he and some others think he would have been if that's the course he wound up taking in college and into the pros. So check that out at paulkuharski.com where you can uh, be a member for just $5.99 a month, the price of a cup of coffee or a nice cocktail. Or you can get 12 months for the price of 11. Come join us for private chats, a private Facebook group, everything I write. Mike Herndon's column once a week and Blake Bettingfield's scouting previews and reviews of all the Titans games. Jalen Hurts is a big danger. Um, Shane Bowen, the Titans offensive coordinator, was talking about how he can read the field and see it like a running back. And he's not always going to slide, but he can slide, obviously. And um, I asked him, too, if an end can be deceptive, the end that he's reading in these RPOs. So here's a little bit of back and forth with Bowen talking about Hertz as the danger run option, particularly on these RPOs. Yeah, I think he's done a really good job. I think they got a uh, good scheme that fits kind of who he is as a quarterback. Um, again, can, can throw the ball, obviously can run it. Um, we're going to have to be on our game in terms of that schematic QB run game and then Obviously, the, the quarterback scrambles that have kind of hurt us in the past. We got to make sure we're coordinated, understand what's going on, and because he can take off at any moment, and he's he's dangerous when he's when he's out there. Is there something unique to him as far as like running that that read option? <laughs> I mean, I think he's he understands it. I think he's able to read read those ends and see kind of what they're doing in terms. I mean, it's all option based on what's going on with the end for the most part, um, or the second level guy. So I think he's got a good comfort level with being able to read it and see it. And then when he's got the ball, he's like a running back, right? Like, I mean, he'll slide a little bit, um, but you don't see him slide every single time. Like he's taking guys on, so we gotta be ready to tackle. Is there anything an end can do there to, to make it less readable or is he? Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what we have planned as, a, as the week goes and as we get to Sunday, but um, it is. He's he's probably more athletic than a lot of our ends. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we're going to have to be ready for it and kind of see what we can do to adjust and hopefully play it. That's interesting stuff to me from Shane. And uh, coordination is another theme that comes up. Jeffrey Simmons made it sound like that was an issue against Burrow. And while Burrow of, of the Bengals, who's running, helped beat the Titans last week, can run, he can't run the way Hurts can run. Hertz has just under 600 rushing yards with eight touchdowns. His average game is something like 12 carries, 54 yards, and uh, 0.73 touchdowns. So you're going to have to uh, address it to some degree. In addition to all that running, Hertz 
you know, you, you, some people are going to shoot holes in him as a passer because he runs so well. He's 67%. He's got 17 passing touchdowns on top of those eight rushing touchdowns, only three interceptions. He's dropped the ball eight times, fumbles, but he's only lost two of those. It's, it's hard to find holes in this guy right now. And I, I came into the season with some doubts, um, but it's hard to argue with what he's done. His targets, he's got, you know, a, a versatile package there with, uh, with A.J. Brown, who we all know well, a tough, rugged guy with speed who can beat you up and run away from you. Um, and, and uh, Devontae Smith, he's got quickness, speed in and out of breaks, instincts against zone that Shane Bowen was emphasizing. Quez Watkins doesn't have a lot of catches. He's built on his speed, though, and he's been much better against physical defenders. One of the things that Bowen was was emphasizing was you got to know who these guys are. Roger McCreary has to know who T. Higgins is last week and what he will do. You know, when McCreary gave up a, a relatively easy touchdown to Higgins, who outmuscled him, he's got to muscle him back, and he didn't. This week, all these DBs need to be more aware of who they're going against. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the familiarity of the Titans against A.J. Brown. Well, Kevin Byard knows A.J. Brown really well, right? Kevin Byard knows A.J. Brown really well, and Christian Fulton knows him. But there are a lot of defensive backs on this Titans team that don't know him at all, right? I mean, Roger McCreary doesn't know him. Andrew Adams doesn't know him. Amani Hooker knows him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Trey Avery doesn't know him. So they're going to be guys on the field that have no experience with A.J. Brown whatsoever that watch tape on him just like they watch tape on anybody else. They're taking advice on him from the veterans who've been around and are familiar with him. But it's not like this secondary um, knows the guy inside and out. Also, Titans have to tackle well. Now, the, uh, the Eagles ran the ball like crazy last week. You know, it was a combination of, of uh, a bunch of guys with, uh, with Miles Sanders and with Jalen Hurts. And they've got Boston Scott. They've got Kenneth Gainwell. Got to tackle soundly. They didn't tackle really soundly last week against the Bengals. They missed double-digit tackles. But it was also this loose tackling that Bowen talked about where they just didn't formula tackle and they let guys add four or five yards to some plays by getting dragged or taking a bad angle or, or not having a firm base or crossing over or all of those kinds of things. And so uh, Titans need to be better at all of that. If they're going to, you know, have the Eagles play something close to honest and then have a better chance against them. Would you like a sad personal story? Do you like a sad personal story interspersed into your Titans coverage, into your Titans podcast? Going to take a sip of water here and share a sad personal story. You might know that my family decided to get a puppy about a year and a half ago. My dog Finley's getting old, very gray. He's had two uh, ACL repairs in his back legs. Very, very gray. And my wife and son convinced me that we needed a, a new dog. Finley is a uh, beagle mix mutt that we got from the pound. 
before our second dog, I laid out some specifications and thought it would take time. And of course, after several rounds of conversations, they convinced me to say yes. And I thought it would take some time. And they presented me with a dog a day later who fit every specification. And uh, we went forward and we got this dog, Ripley, we named him. A little reddish cavapoo. Sweet, sweet, beautiful dog. Uh, but it came to us with uh, the breeder told us he had some uh, blackheads kind of up his arm and onto his chest. She even gave us a discount because uh, he had this skin condition. It was uncommon in uh, dogs that she'd bred, but uh, her vet didn't think it was a big deal. And uh, she gave us a chance to opt out, but we said it doesn't seem like a big deal to us either. And um, so we took him and had a delightful time with him, though he picks up too many socks and shoes and the like. Though he's gotten better. So it turns out these um, blackheads turn into stuff that are bigger than blackheads. When he got fixed, the vet <clears throat> took out um, some of them and they were like pebbles like pebbles in his arm and up into his chest. And uh, they got progressively worse where they were, you know, under his skin. And uh, my wife took him in finally and to, to somebody and they concluded it was benign cancer. It, it was like benign cancer with an option to turn malignant. Um, and he began some chemo pills, which are not inexpensive. Um and so he's getting this treatment and uh, it seemed like it was under control. We didn't really know what was going to happen. He's going to continue to get scans and take these pills. And, uh, and then the other day, um, a big sore kind of opened up on his arm. And so we got him in and they, they gave him some scans and they looked at this arm really closely. And it turns out that the arm is really bad, really bad. And so uh, it gave us a couple options, but it, it looks like the option that uh, that is best for him is for him to become a three-legged dog. So keep keep Ripley in your thoughts because uh, by the next time I talk to you on this podcast, he's going to lose his uh, his front right arm, poor guy, and. Uh, become a member of the uh, puppy tripod brotherhood. They say that uh, he'll adjust well and uh, barring this cancer cropping up somewhere else, which they're hopeful it won't, he should have a good 10 years ahead of him. But it's really hard to kind of look at this guy in his cone with his happy face and think that uh, this is what's best for him. And uh, it's just sad all around. So, Hopefully he will adjust to it as well as they say. And uh, his parents and his brother dog and his brother human will adjust to it as well as he does. So there's the end of my sad story. Now let's talk about something happy, the Titans and the X plays. Starting with the Washington game, starting in week eight. Brace yourself for this. In the NFL, the most receptions of at least 30 yards, Tennessee Titans with 10, Kansas City Chiefs with eight, Green Bay Packers with eight, Las Vegas Raiders with eight, Dallas Cowboys seven, Eagles six, Vikings six, 
Carolina six. Nobody has more plays of 30 yards or more, more catches of 30 yards or more in weeks eight through 12 than the Tennessee Titans. That includes a bye, and that includes two games of Malik Willis at quarterback. Yards per reception during that stretch. An NFL high 13.4, 13.4 yards per reception. Higher than the Jets at 13.1. Higher than the Dolphins at 13.0. Higher than the Packers, 12.4. The Chiefs, 12.3. 76 receptions over the past five games, 13.4 yards a catch. This is a team that we know has bad receivers. This is a team that got, in two of those weeks, a total of 11 passes from Malik Willis as the starter when his long completion was 23 yards. Is the Titans' offense as limited as we continue to view it. I don't see how we could look at that evidence and say it is. I I think that it has limitations. I think, um, I think the Titans are proof that, um, you know, when Ryan Tannehill throws it more and when he uh, completes it more, it's not necessarily a good thing. If you look at some of his best games, the Titans lose them. When he throws them less, throws it less, and Henry runs it more, that's generally a formula for them to win. But if they could find the happy medium here, and it looks like they are in position maybe to find the happy medium, they've got work to do on the run game, and the pass game is developing with Traylon Burks. They still have Kyle Phillips to get back, who's <clears throat> better than their fourth or fifth guy right now. And there's some promise here. The thing that, that lends me to less faith still is the offensive line. Offensive line scares me. And I think it should scare you. Also, some of the competition. We've talked about this. After Philadelphia, they still have games, losable games. At the Chargers on December 18th. Dallas here on December 29th here in Nashville. Two games against Jacksonville. That's a tough sweep. Jacksonville's been up and down. But two games against a division rival in the span of what one, two, three, four, five weeks. That's a tough, tough series to sweep Houston on, uh, on Christmas Eve. They should, they should absolutely beat, but um, that's, there's some challenges on that schedule still. It's not going to, it's not going to affect whether they win the division or not. But they could lose six games, seven games still, I think. And we've had the conversation about what these losses to the better teams on their schedule mean for the playoffs. They've lost to Kansas City. They've lost to Green Bay. They've lost to Cincinnati. They've lost to the Giants. They've lost to Washington. Those are all playoff caliber teams right now. They didn't lose to Washington. They beat Washington. 
when Washington was still still pretty bad. Uh, you know, if they lose to Philadelphia, if they lose to the Chargers, if they lose to the Cowboys, these will all send signals about the kind of teams they can beat and the kind of teams they can't beat. And already, even if they get good now and roll, I don't think they're better than the the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, the Dolphins. They're going to have to beat some of those teams to go anywhere in the playoffs. But some of this passing game stuff lends credence to the fact that they have gotten better at a bad area. They need Jones healthy. They need Autry healthy. They could use Phillips healthy. Let's do one look back at the penalty at the end of the Cincinnati game that lost them their chance to go get the ball back and have a chance to march down with just under two minutes left and uh, get a tying touchdown or uh, a winning two-point conversion even against um, against the Bengals. So Kevin Strong was called for, for hitting the long snapper in the head. One of the few things that officials are looking for on a point-after attempt. Tier Tart was probably guilty as well. And of course, Craig Ackerman has an explanation for it that goes something like this. No, I don't think so. I think what we got to do a little bit better is, uh, you know, teaching the technique that we're looking for because their guards were really coming down in on that A-gap. So when we would try to go and knock back the guard, um, you know, they came down hard on us and then uh, Strong and Tart end up moving down a little bit too much. But, uh, you know, we're going to really focus in today and yesterday on really trying to be technique and get those guards getting knocked back instead of getting closer to the center. So the guards forced Strong and Tart inside and helped prompt them to go into the long snapper. Who could have seen that coming? I mean, where, what else are the guards going to do there? So Ackerman says the solution is to push the guards back instead of having the guards pushed you back. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Tips. Look, that's great that Ackerman has the solution for this not to happen again, but this isn't the kind of thing where preventing a second one of those is good enough when the first one kills your chances to tie or win a game. So bravo for the Titans if they're not going to do this again, but it doesn't matter if you don't do it again because doing it once costs you a chance to tie or win a game against a high caliber AFC opponent bonehead play as variable calls it the kind of shit stupid shit that hurts the team I think it was uh relatively easily glossed over um can't happen shouldn't have happened should have been coached before the fact not after the fact stats to leave you with as you head into the weekend, looking forward first to the U.S.'s game against the Netherlands, for which I changed my flight to Philadelphia. Second for the Titans-Eagles game. Traylon Burks has averaged 10.2 yards per target since week nine. 10.2 yards per target. Seventh best of 40 qualified NFL receivers. The league average is 8.1. So he's 
two yards plus better than the league average. Really quite good. Um, this is via inside edge. The Eagles defense has forced 23 turnovers and 15 interceptions this season. Those are both NFL highs, 23 turnovers, 15 interceptions. Titans have been pretty good with ball security. They're going to really have to be really good with it. We've talked about the, the Titans uh, passing game. They've gained 505 yards on 35 receptions since week nine. 14.4 yards per reception, fourth best in the NFL. And the Eagles, since week nine, have allowed 14.8 yards per receptions to wide receivers in that same time frame, tied for fourth worst. So there's some nice parallels there. The Titans gaining 14.4 per reception by wide receivers since week nine. The Eagles allowing 14.8 per reception to wide receivers in the same time span. Fourth best, fourth worst. Can Tannehill and Titans wide receivers keep it going? Uh, that would be great news. Traylon Burks was sick on Thursday, missed practice. Um, hopefully that's a short-lived thing. He'll be back. He'll be fine. And, uh, and things will plow ahead with the passing game. They need to get the running game going and play clean. And even if they do all those things, they still well could come home from Philadelphia carrying a two-game losing streak and uh, a seven and five record, or they could surprise everybody and hand the Eagles their second loss. It should be an interesting game up there. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I know you are too. If you're not a member, please check out paulkuhersky.com. I would appreciate your becoming part of the gang, and I urge you, in the time between now and when I speak to you next. Don't block the box and please lock your locks.